Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Let's Get Into Entertainment, the business of entertainment, as David Day would say. Um, and then Tootie would say, that's what's up, and tell you about Made in Mexico, which is finished now and going to be on Amazon pretty soon in the next few months. So we'll keep you uh, posted on that. So keep your ear open. We will give you dates and all that kind of good stuff. So you can see what uh, Tootie produced for, you know, under 30 grand. Pretty amazing. Great little movie. Um, today, we wanted to go way back. When we first started this podcast, we had some amazing guests, guys that had an incredible journey. And and these guys keep doing great work. And today, we're going to bring back Tommy Harper. Now, this episode is really special because on this podcast, we always talk about people's journeys. You know, Tommy started as a runner, ended up being an executive producer on some pretty amazing movies. And I want to name some of them now just so you can get an idea. Star Wars Episode Three. He was the executive producer, the Cloverfield Paradox executive producer, Top Gun Maverick with Tom Cruise, executive producer. This guy has really, really made it. He's a wonderful human being. And it just goes to show you, you could work hard in this business, meet the right people, be a creative, creative person and end up right at the top where Tommy did. So please enjoy. Let's get into entertainments rebroadcast of the Tommy Harper interview. The wait is over. The Walking Dead is back. Don't miss the extended 10th season featuring six new episodes, each focused on different favorite characters. Get ready for high-stakes showdowns, emotional reckonings, and more info about your favorite Walking Dead survivors. Start watching the latest season today and catch new episodes of season 10 early with AMC+. From season binges and exclusive content to early access to new episodes, the best Walking Dead experience is only on AMC+. Get lost in the Walking Dead universe today. Available ad-free and on demand. Sign up at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Hey, Tommy, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I know I've been trying to get you for yeah. weeks and months. Your schedule is so booked with, uh, with all of this work that you're doing. But, you know, our podcast is about being relatable. You know, there's a lot of filmmakers out there, a lot of people with ideas trying to figure out how to get themselves started. The, the funny thing is that everyone I know has done it a different way including myself. I'm very indie, right? I was a Universal Studios tour guide. I fell in love with the business. I met John Landis. He said, hey, kid, you want a job on my show, Three Amigos? And I said, sure. I went to Arizona, worked on that for three months and came out of there and you know, eventually worked with a producer called Ian Sanders that I respected a lot and became a producer. In your case, let's start with where you grew up. Outside of Hollywood, uh, three hours north on the 101 in a little small town called Arroyo Grande what, in what is California. It What's it called? Arroyo Grande. Arroyo Grande. Yeah. So by San Luis Obispo. Yeah. Pismo Beach. And what were you doing there? What so was... basically how it all happened for me was I graduated high school. I was 18. I played basketball my whole life. And, uh, and you're a hell of a basketball player. You should I, come out on Sundays. <laughs> I will. And the <laughs> coach. Yeah, we both. Yeah. Okay. And basically the high school basketball coach needed somebody to fill in and coach the summer for the kids. So I did it and I was hoping to move to Los Angeles and get into advertising. One of the kids on the team's father was a, still is a producer in Hollywood. So he said at the end of the season, Hey, I told my dad about you, the time you donated for us. And when you get to LA, give him a call and he'll, he'll help you out and get you a PA job. 
I had no clue what any of it meant. You're 18 at this point. I'm 18. Wow. 18. Okay. So I, and you're like, whatever. I'm like, yeah, great. Job. Sure. I have. So before the internet, before anything, kid in a small town, the only thing I know about movies, they come out in the theater. I go watch them. Sometimes they're on TV. Mm-hmm. But I had no concept of anything. So I think I was about 20 and I moved to, it took me about a year and a half or so. And I moved to Los Angeles. One of the first phone calls I made was to this, this producer, Steve Nicolaitis, uh-huh. produced Boys in the Hood. Oh, wow. A few good men, a lot of Rob Reiner movies. And I called him and said, Hey, I'm in town. My name's Tommy Harper. And your son gave me your phone number. And he's like, yeah, I know who you are, which blew me away because I was love sweating that. and shaking right. calling this producer. I had no clue. You know, right. <laughs> had he done, had he done uh, a few good men yet? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah. be, I'd be nervous calling now. Yeah. I'm an adult. Yeah. And he was super sweet, super nice guy. He said, Hey, I'm doing a movie over the summer. What are you doing right now? I said, I'm going to Santa Monica college, but I'm out in May. Tell me when and where, and I'll, and I'll be there. He goes, somebody will call you and we start shooting in June and you'll have a job. I said, great. I'll sweep the floors. I'll do whatever you want. He's like, no, no, you'll have a, you'll be a production assistant. I'm like, awesome. Sounds awesome. Hung up, had no clue what any of it meant. Right. right? And I was like, okay, somebody's, nobody's going to call me. Right. And a week before the movie started, I got a phone call from the assistant directors and said, um, or you need to show up at 3.45 a.m. at, at uh, MacArthur Park right. and be ready to work. And I was like, uh, a.m.? Awesome. Okay. And what do, <laughs> what do I need? To, I was like, what do I need to wear? They're right. like, what? What? So, you know, kid from a small town shows up and uh, basically walked on the street and just tried to figure it out. What right. I was supposed to be doing. It's incredible, right? Yeah. It goes to show you too, like if your friend says, hey, my dad's a producer, he could hook you up. Yeah. Maybe you should take it. Take, take it. You know, <laughs> make the phone um, call. Make the phone call. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. We talk about that a lot, right? We, we do. Make the call. So what I did do before that, just to really yeah, quick back, back up is I, when, while I was at working or going to school, I would work after school and on my off days for a company called Cimarron Bacon and O'Brien. Uh-huh. They made trailers. And back then, you know, the trailers would come out in a VHS. Yeah. I was the PA to drive them to the studios. And that was before this job. That was before okay, this. So, yeah, you had so a little bit of experience. So I knew yeah, kind knew of what, what was but, I, but I had never been on a film set. Right. But I would be the kid that shows up with the tapes and right. would take them to the executive's office and drop them off. Right. And that's what I did. I drove around LA and did that, you know, for probably like six months or eight months. But in that time, I met one of your previous guests. Who? Fish. Oh, Antoine Fisher. Do you mean that you met Antoine Fisher when he was a security guard? Yes. Oh my God, dude. That's hilarious. (laughs) That's awesome. And the nicest man ever. I would come through the gate three, four times a a week. (sighs) And he was, he would tell me about what he was doing. I'm a writer and I'm trying to sell this. Are you kidding? Yeah. And then one day I showed up and he's like, I sold my script to wow. a producer named Todd Black. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be here, you know, much longer. And I was like, what? Yeah. Okay. Stuff really does happen here. Yeah, oh so, my yeah. God. With the six degrees yeah. of separation always, right here. Right. Always. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So you were driving through delivering the, the trailers, the, the trailers, yeah. Tapes to the, to the and, execs. and you run into Antoine Fisher who ended up being our guest, but right. ended up being, you know, one of our finest writers really. And one, an amazing film. Yeah. So that's very cool. So, so let's get back into, to where you were going. So you work on, what was the name of the movie that you were PA on? 
for better or for worse. So, so you're working on for better and for worse yeah. as a PA and what starts to develop in your mind in, about being in this business? Yeah. So I fell in love right away. I mean, I, I the first couple of days I got yelled at, screamed at, I did everything <laughs> wrong, you know, right. I, and I was the kid that nobody wanted because the producer hired him and right. I was in charge of the radios and my job was to hand out radios every day and collect them at night. Right. And I only had to collect them at night because I think the assistant directors wanted me to put me through the paces. Right. Uh, which was good. And, but I realized I like Did liked you ever it. lose a radio? Uh, not on that job now. Wow, wow. good for yeah. you because everybody yeah, loses a radio. Yeah. Every movie I work on, some <laughs> department loses their yeah. radio. And I had no clue of anything, you know, like the, the, the camera guys would say, okay, if you see the boom mic down, that means they're rolling. If right. it's up, it's not, they're not rolling. I'm like, oh, okay. So I had to, from grant from the ground floor kind of just learn everything. Yeah. And, but what I loved about it was it was something new every day when you showed up to work yeah. and I uh, fell in love with that aspect. And then during that movie, I was doing lockups on the street where mm-hmm. you, you know, hold the traffic back or the pedestrian traffic. So you mm-hmm. can do this shot and then you cut mm-hmm. and people go through and uh, kids my age would show up and be like, Hey, I have a resume. I just graduated from USC film Oh my gosh. and I'm looking for a job. Can you help me out? <laughs> And I was like, nope, I want to go to UCLA and go to film school. Why? Like I'm here. So you're in it. I just, uh, I worked really hard and I showed up extra early every day. I tried to stay late and help people out with everything. And then that movie ended and the producer, Steve said, I'm going to go do a independent film that I raised money for. Why don't you come do that with me? Now was Steve the dad, the father of your friend? That's correct. Okay. And, um, well, let's just say this. We've all been on a set. I don't know. Nichols, you've been on a set? Mm, set of extra. <laughs> that counts. Show. Yeah. All right. No, it's not the same, but um, <laughs> I'm kidding. But, um, but you know, being a peon on a movie, this is a very hard job. So stressful. Because they got to be there it first is. and they got to be there last. As a PA? Yeah. yeah. You, you're, you're helping out every department. Everybody. And you have your normal job to do. Like if you, I was in charge of radios and I had to hand out call sheets and I had to hand out sides you know like this little script for the day was there an email uh oh no no, no way no, so before you, email <laughs> you had to give them to photocopy people. the call sheets on the set copied break all the time if it broke <laughs> and they didn't get their call sheet you had to call everyone that you had night to call right? everybody yeah or if you're on location you'd have to go hotel uh, room to room at the hotel and right, put their right. call sheet under the door look it's not it's not an easy job and the fact that you loved it i love that we're getting into this because of the fact that you love yeah. doing that job is headed towards why you're as successful in your business yeah, as you are. I just, and I realized this is what I wanted to do. I, you know, I quickly just, I didn't know, I, wa- I wanted to get into advertising for no reason whatsoever, except for on television. I saw commercials that interested me and said, wow, you can actually get people to that? go buy things off a of commercial. So I'm right. going to try to do that. Right. And then, and then I just and it's and by the way, it's brilliant mm-hmm. advertising, yeah. brilliant, and and yeah. there's writing, and there's and there's and there's setups, and there you know yeah. there's so much to it, yeah. But I was still green, and I went. I mean, I, I went into the next job, the independent film, and I think that's when I realized this is what I'm going to do because I did. Literally, I I I was a PA. Mm-hmm. I was a stuntman. Mm-hmm. I was a stand-in. I was. I drove trucks. I pulled trailers campers. So obviously it wasn't union. No. Wow. I, so, so this, so this producer went from a yeah. big uh, union film to like an indie film yeah. where you guys had to fill it all out. Correct. Yeah. I did sound. 
uh, held the boom mic. Um, I can't, can you, hey, Harper, yeah. get over here, yeah. grab the boom. I raced motocross as a kid. <laughs> so and you, so there was a motorcycle scene in the, uh, Scott Kahn. It was a boy called Hate. It was called James Kahn, Scott Kahn. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he had to ride across the desert and rode the motorcycle in a movie. And he'd be you. like, hey, Tommy, you're going to be a stunt double. So what we want you to do is ride across the desert at Magic Hour. It'll get a little dark uh-huh. fast as you can. Go as fast as you can. <laughs> flip on the IMO. You know, I'm 20 years old or whatever. I have no clue what I'm, you know, I just riding a motorcycle like that. But I, no fear, right? You were no like, fear. yeah, I'll do it. And then like, I'm riding and all of a sudden this thing whips by my head. I'm like, what was that? And I looked down and the camera had come off. Oh. I oof. lost the camera and I had no, I had no clue where it went. That The grips hadn't tightened it down all the way. So oh my God. it flew off. But yeah, I did everything. And then on that show, I couldn't afford my rent in LA. It was right. expensive. But while I was in high school, I started an auto detailing business. Uh-huh. So on at lunch and on the weekends, I would wash all the campers and trailers and trucks to make extra money. Wow. And that, that was probably a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's funny about this story is a lot of times you look at producers in this town and you think they were born in that position, you know, and they're not. Everyone yeah. works really hard and does all of these different things to achieve what they achieve in their lives. And you come to some crossroad and you're like, I'm going to go this way. And it shapes the rest of your life. So it's really neat to hear that, you know, you did like this, this film and then you went on and you worked like literally every position on the movie. And then you washed cars and trucks and honey wagons to, uh, to, you know, to pay your rent. But you, but at the same time you were falling in love with an industry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty awesome. So what what happened next? So one of the ADs from the first film from the union movie called me and said, uh, okay, I'm doing this movie. It's a huge movie. And, um, we're coming back to LA and we need you to come work on it. Do you want to do it? And I said, sure. What is it? And they're like, it's called Showgirls. And I was like, okay, no clue once again. And, and show up to work and huge budgeted film, huge budgeted year. film. Yeah. And I was a set PA. I was not allowed on the set because they thought I was like 17 or 18. They didn't think I was. The, <laughs> you they, still look 17. Or yeah. <laughs> so I was never allowed on set, but what ended up happening was people come and go on movies and, some of the PAs left the movie early. So a week after I got there, they came up to me and said, do you know the SAG rules? And I said, no, I don't. They're like, okay, you need to go to SAG on your own time, get a book, read it on your own time, learn all the rules on your own time, because starting next week, you're in charge of all the extras. Oh, wow. We had hundreds of extras every day. Right. So like one day on Wednesday, when we had an 11 o'clock call, I drove to SAG early in the morning, started reading, learning all the rules. And that was my my next job. Was that wow. central casting who handled that movie? Yeah, they handled that movie. And then right. I was the PA on set that would check you in, take you to hair and makeup wardrobe, get you all ready and sign you out at the end of the day. Do the, you know, so that was my, you know, what's, job. what's scary about this conversation is that I also handled extras. Really? When I was for younger yeah. for years and you're an infinitely more successful than I am. So I don't know where I went this way and you went hey, that on, way. Marcus, that's a hard so job, man. You know what? I worked on, it was three amigos. The first yeah. thing I ever did, right? I wasn't a PA, but I was in charge. You're like the coordinator. Of the extras. Yeah. I was coordinating, coordinating hundreds of Santa Pokians, right? All Stressful, the, making sure they show up Bussing them in. They were yeah. being yeah. bussed in, right? Extras are a pain. Yeah. yeah and I go over to like the head guy every night of the extras and they, they, they unionized on their own, you know, yeah. okay. and they'd have their groups. And I'd say, you got to be on the bus by 4am because we're going to bring you all right. So it's interesting because, uh, it was a really fun job yeah. because 
it was almost like unto itself. Like yeah. right, the films, the yes. film was being made, but the extras were always their separate thing. Holding for them, lunch for them, wardrobe for them, that kind of thing. But what it taught really cool. me though, what it taught me was that you you can't make a movie without them. So, and probably is from where I had grown up, but I in my career now, like I treat extras with equal respect as a crew because right. you're not going to make a movie without them. And some people do it differently. So, right. uh, and you know, it's, a, that's a very hard job and it's right. a lot of hours and I don't think people really quite realize, you know, what it takes. You're, so you're PAing. And one thing I noticed when I was working on sets is that sometimes PAs move into assistant directing yeah. kind of as a natural progression, right? Yeah. So how, did that happen for you? Is it that, did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the DGA, when I joined, uh, you had to work a certain amount of days as a production assistant, as a PA, and that was 600. And so I did that fairly quick. I, I went from, I think, Showgirls. I went to New York and did a movie. Then I came back to LA and did a movie. Never stopped working. Never basically. stopped, never stopped, never stopped. And um, so I think I joined the DGA when I was maybe 21. Wow. Uh, and then you have to... 21, 22 around there. Like you have then after, once you join, join the guild, you back then you had to do 150 days out of town as mm -hmm. a, an assistant director. Mm -hmm. So that was really hard back then because there, there weren't any tax rebates. So films never went on location. You only went on location right. if you had to go on location. Right. And I was the low end of the assistant director. So why would you take me? Right. Right. So I had going through my PA process, I, was going movie to movie, movie to movie. And one of the other producers that kind of helped shape my career was a gentleman named Jim Brubaker, who used to produce a lot of, uh, imagined entertainment films. He a lot produced of Rocky, didn't he? Rocky. And, <laughs> I, was and just say. I met him during the Eddie Murphy days and the Jim right. Carrey days. So they immediately hired me to take care of a unit in Sacramento. So I got a massive amount of days on this movie called life. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I'd done some Gary Marshall movies and we went to Baltimore and did, um, runaway bride. And that completed my out of town days. Right. But in between me trying to get, the, like I was off for like a month or so here or there trying to get my out of town days. And I immediately called friends of mine in any job I hadn't done. I, I wanted to do that job. So I did locations. Right. I worked in the office. I did post, I did anything I could to, could learn everything because what I wanted to become was a producer and I wanted to know all the jobs. Was there a producer? Was there a movie? Was there something that happened that made it spark? I think for me, I have a, like a logistical brain of organization and I really enjoyed that. And I was on a movie called time machine and David Valdez was one of the producers and he spent a lot of time giving me advice and that really helped me. And I was a second AD at the time. Uh -huh. And I realized like, wow, this is interesting. I want to, I want to become a production manager. I, I still, listen, I was still young. I, I yeah, didn't, super young. nobody really sat me down and said, this is how the industry works. So right. I was still figuring things out. Um, and then I, I would probably say during Mission Impossible 3 when I was a, and, and even before that movie, Big Fish, I was the second AD on those movies. And they were very challenging uh, from a logistical standpoint. And I think I loved figuring things out and organizing and getting, being head of the company and working with the producers on that kind of strategizing. Mm -hmm. So I realized then I wanted to be a production manager and move into producing after right. that. 
Which, by the way, is the nat- again the natural, natural progression. Yeah, you go from a second AD yeah. to a first AD, right? To a UPM, right? I firsted very little, and then I kind of moved back down to a second, and then I jumped over to become a UPM. It jumped over first. You know AD what? Had UPM. you had you not jumped over first AD, you might have gotten stuck. Yeah, right. Because first ADs are so. Va- I, I mean, I there's a couple of positions that directors can't live without to the point where they will push movies. Mm-hmm. That's how important first ADs, script supers are, um, DPs. So you got inspired and you skipped over yeah. the AD and you went straight to UPMing. Yeah, that was hard because I was once again trying to get a job as a UPMer production supervisor, which is right under a UPM with zero experience with budget. Right. Um, I knew how to schedule. I knew what a film set uh, took to run. I knew all of the equipment needed personnel. I had no clue how to manage a budget, no clue what a budget was. I was at lunch one day with my wife and some friends and my buddy, Tommy Gormley, who's a first AD who I've worked with a lot. We were talking about doing this, this new Star Trek movie with JJ Abrams. And, um, while I was at lunch and I looked over at a table and I saw JJ sitting there just having lunch on a Saturday by himself. So we got up to leave and I popped over and said hi to him. And he was like, Oh, good to see you. Are you going to do Star Trek? And I said, well, it's complicated. I want to bother you on the weekend, but I'm trying to move up and, and I want a UPM and, and he goes, well, okay, what's the problem? And I was like, well, it's a long story, you know? And, and he's like, all right, well, I'll, I'll see you, you know, soon. And, and we'll, we'll talk about it. About a week went by and the producer of the movie called me and said, I heard you ran into JJ. Why don't you come in and talk? And I'd been trying to get with the producer for a few months to tell them what I wanted to do. And uh, I went in and I said, listen, I, I want to production manage. I'll, I'll assistant UPM. I'll do whatever it is. I'll do both jobs. I'll do the, my AD job and oh, wow. assistant UPM mm-hmm. job. I just need a shot. That's getting, that's getting attractive for them at this point. Yeah. And they were like, <laughs> okay, wow. Yeah. You can take care of the second unit and do the main unit as your normal job. And when you need a crossover, we'll just fill somebody in for you. Uh, and by the way, can you start next week as an AD and you can help us wrangle the prep because the first AD, my buddy Tommy, was in Scotland working and couldn't come over. So I started and kind of did two jobs here in Star Trek, here in the That's reboot of Star Trek. Yeah. Is any? I mean, is it just me that, that, <laughs> that I get, like I'm getting chills? Right. It's just a great, great uh, example of. Walk over, make the phone call, say hello. I, I'm a big believer where you better say what you want and somebody can always tell you that they can't help yeah. you or they can help you or whatever, but might as well, you know, use your voice. Well, you say that, Mark. Yeah. yeah, I do, right? But I had no clue day one. Right. I got handed a budget. Mm-hmm. I looked at it. I, no clue. It was like in Greek. I, it was like Greek. My <laughs> wife's Greek. And I was like, no. And I had no clue what any, I knew what the department, but I was like, oh, oh my, I'm in trouble. I, right. uh, what, uh, so how did you deal with that? How did you deal with that? You know, did you talk to others? Did you? You know, I just who I am. I don't get nervous about things like that. I knew the accountant. Um, my wife had known the accountant for years. I walked in and I was just very honest with her. And I said, I need help reading this and understanding it. Right. And she's like, great, sit down. It's been about 30, 40 minutes. You walked me through it. I got it. Right. Understood it and um, moved on. And by the way, accountants are terrific, right? Because yeah. they're sort of, I, I've known, I've known accountants to actually become line producers. Yeah. You know, so because yeah. they're so talented. Um, so great. So you end up working 
and making your move mm-hmm. and getting your opportunity, yeah. which then created big opportunities for you as you went forward. What was next after that? Um, let's see. After Star Trek, I did uh, Alice in Wonderland and um, the Tim Burton movie. And that that happened because uh, Dick Zanuck called me because a movie turned from total motion capture to a hybrid of live action and, and Richard motion capture. Zanuck to you guys. Richard Zanuck. Dick Zanuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dick Zanuck called me and said, would you like to UPM this, this movie? We, we need to hire somebody. Tim, uh, I'd worked with Tim as assistant director. He's into the idea and we need some help. And you, and I was like, yeah, Absolutely. I'll be running there now. Right. And so immediately went over to meet them and started like the next day. And it, that was a brand new learning experience too, because it was, um, motion capture many years ago and right. it was all new technology. So once again, I had to learn all of this of, of, how to do motion capture and live action and right. real time motion builder graphics. Yeah. And so it was a lot of fun. I mean, and you're, and this whole time you're sitting there working with the masters of our business. Yeah. I mean, some of the finest yeah. directors. And it was a very similar time. thing to JJ. I'd worked with Tim as an assistant director and really kind of, you know, was very involved, uh, in the planning with the first AD and the producers. So we, and we got along great. So once they heard I was production managing, they immediately called and said, you know, come over. We, you know, we had a good relationship before. So, so let's get to when you started executive producing. Sure. Because when you started executive producing, you went on a tear, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) You, You really started doing some amazing stuff. Not that you weren't before, but to be the executive producer on a film means that you understand creative, you understand directors, you understand, you know, what needs to happen in a film on all levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a, it's a really, really important position. So what was the very first executive producer gig you got and how did you get it? I was doing Star Trek Into Darkness. I was working on that for Paramount as a UPM co-producer. That was the second Star Trek in our series. And we were just finishing shooting and Paramount called me and said, we have a movie called Jack Ryan. We've been trying to get it going for years. Kenneth Branagh is coming in next week to meet with us at the studio. And we want to give you your first executive producer job and come in and meet Ken. If everything goes, you know, right with, with you guys meeting and you both fill it, then let's, we've got a week to get the budget in order. And we want to green light it because Ken's coming in for X and amount of time. was that Tom Cruise? No, that was Chris Pine. And I'd done a few movies oh, with, okay. with Chris Pine uh, already. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, that was, so I went to JJ and I said, listen, just got this call from Paramount. They want me to have my own show. I promise to watch over a post and wrap the movie properly and efficiently and making sure everything's taken care of. He's like, I'm not worried about that. Go do it. Uh-huh. And so I took care of track and made sure everything was cool. And then I went right into Paramount as we were wrapping the movie and, and did two jobs again, kind of thing, right. but totally worth it. And, and worked with Ken and his producer, uh, for about a week, week and a half, got the budget in order, got a pitch deck together, presented it to Paramount, got the movie green lit. And 10 weeks later we were shooting in three countries. Wow. That's amazing. And my first movie as an executive producer was in London. I'd never shot in London. So we shot New York, London, and Russia. Wow. That's a pretty remarkable feat. Um, So is it fair to say that JJ 
had a lot to do with encouraging. Yeah. A lot. Doing your thing. Yeah. Yeah. He, he took a chance and helped me, you know, get my first production managing job. And then, uh, you know, he's a great guy and he, he just believed in me. And, and, and he was happy for you Oh yeah, to go completely. on and to, and for others to see how va- yeah. valuable you were as an executive producer on other shows. I think that's pretty cool. I mean, I don't, you know, I know a lot of people in the business. I don't think, I don't think everyone's like that. No, no I think there's a lot of people that are like, what, you know, Hey, I, I gave you your start. We don't, you're not you know, leaving. The, yeah. You're what? not leaving. Yeah. 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 And Until I, think, I say so. And I, that's yeah, right. Yeah. I think that's the attitude. So I think that's really awesome that that was his reaction to yeah, you moving on. Um, so you went on to do Ryan. Yeah. So I went to London. I did Jack, I uh, worked on Jack Ryan. It was a uh, great experience. Ken Brana, actor, director was. He's awesome. He was awesome. And it couldn't have been, it was a perfect movie for me because even though it was in three countries, I'd done Mission Impossible 4 prior to that. We shot in Russia. So being spread out in different countries, that wasn't an issue for me. And my accountant on the film was the uh, person who walked me through my first oh, budget. Oh, really? Ah, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it was really, so was that really becomes great. a little bit of a shorthand for you yeah, too, right? It was great. Um, so what movies were next? Uh, so you don't have to give me a detail of every single film, but you could, but what, what, like what chronologically, what came after, uh, Jack Ryan, uh, Star Wars. Okay. So let's, let's stop at Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> How did it feel to get that gig? I, I was completely scared. I, <laughs> I, um, so I, I'd come back from London from Jack Ryan and, uh, immediately got a call from Paramount and said, JJ wants to do some pickups for in the darkness. Go, go do that. And while you're rapping Jack Ryan, it was always, yeah, right, you're two always things at one. It, right? Um, hmm. so we did that and we, we did some shooting and then, um, some editorial and then we did some more shooting and one day, we were, he and I were just standing outside the theater in his and, office. You and JJ. Yeah. And yeah. we were in between a, a setup and I was first AD in, in like producing the reshoots and because you just do them really small. Yeah. And we were talking and at that point I had already started kind of prepping, um, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation because it was a bad Which robot. Which was an awesome. Yeah. So it was a movie. bad robot movie and I was right. only doing like helping, uh, Chris McCoy, the writer and director, look for locations. So mm-hmm. we were just doing internet scouting and stuff like that. So I was, wasn't really in, in deep yet. And JJ turned to me and was like, um, this was before it was even announced. And he said, have you met Kathy and Kasdan yet? And I, I, I was like, um, what? <laughs> and he was like, you know, Star Wars. We're, we're going to do Star Wars. Yeah, it, it's gonna it's gonna come out tomorrow. But and I was like, well, I'm supposed to do a mission. He goes, No, no, we're gonna we're gonna work on that. But you're gonna you should call Kathy and get get a go see her because we're gonna do Star Wars. And I was like, I just like stood there for a minute thinking to myself, like, what is actually happening? And right. then it all happened so fast. And we went in and started shooting. And I think I got in my car that night and I was driving home. I was like, It's like, is he punking me? Like, <laughs> I, Am I doing like what is happening here? And uh, the next day, you know, Kathy Kennedy's office called me and said, can you come up next week and, and meet Kathy? And I was like, yeah, great. And they're like, I'm like, what day? They're like, uh, how, how's 21st of February? I'm like, not a problem. I'll be on a plane at whatever time you need me. Great. Right. It happened to be my birthday. Right. So I was like on my 40th birthday, I was flying up to meet Kathy. Kennedy. It was like, it was the best thing ever. And um, then we started prepping immediately. Right. 
Um, and two, two of the, you know, really, really great movies to be working on. Um, Kathleen Kennedy is funny because one of my favorite movies of all time is Jaws. And Kathleen Kennedy was an associate producer on Jaws. Yeah. Um, so it's just fun to see the trajectory of people's careers, you know, she obviously, yeah, you know, had a, a lot of talent back then, but still associate producer to like, you know, one of the premier filmmakers again. I mean, that's the, of our time. we'll get into it, but it's the, I've had the blessing of working with the top producers, you know, Dude. you go from Richard Zanuck, uh, and then I'm at, working with Kathleen Kennedy and presently with Jerry Bruckheimer. It's just, it's. And what about Tom Cruise? We're forgetting all about Tom Cruise. Well, yeah, I mean, now I'm working with Tom as well in Top Gun. And, and you know, we worked on Mission 3 and Mission 4 together, a little bit of uh, Mission 5. And he he's amazing. He's a, you know, top actor in the world. Yeah. And he is a producer. He's super smart. Filmmaker, yeah. Right. The whole thing. He's, yeah, he's, he's great. I don't want, I, don't, I feel like I'm going to leave people hanging with this Star Wars thing, oh. right? I don't think <laughs> we, I don't think we can move past <laughs> it that quickly. So I, we, we, everyone understands it was sort of a really big movie for every, you know, it was a big movie for the world. But so you go and work on it while you were working on it. Did it feel really special? I mean, were people always trying to get interviews? Was there people trying to get in? Was there weird things happening? Yeah. Fan wise? I think, you know, when you asked me, how did I feel about it? You know, so when you asked me that, I, I, when I went to meet Kathy at Lucas, when I left, they gave me some gifts. Thanks for coming to Lucasfilm. Oh, wow. And one of the gifts they handed me was all the making of books for four five and six. And so I went home and I immediately started diving into Star Wars right. world. Like how I knew it was going to be massive. I've done, I had two Star Treks that I've done. So I, I knew like it was going to be, creating worlds. I knew we were going to now have creatures. We're going to have droids. We're going to have speeders. So I was trying to just understand like complications of putting a, a project like this together. Right. So I immediately started reading all of the behind the scene books and I had to stop reading them because I would read them at night and my wife would be like, you're getting so much anxiety before bed. Like you gotta, <laughs> you gotta chill out. Cause what was happening was episode four, they, it was, they were figuring it out. So they would come to set and R2 wouldn't work and they would be like trying to figure it out. Sandcrawler wouldn't move or whatever right. it is. Speeders would break down. And so they're just like, stop filming. And they're trying to, and it's just like, they're going behind schedule. The budget's going up. And I'm like, is this oh, what I have God. to right. look forward to? I said, right. uh, and so I started getting like total right. stressed out about it, but I was like, <laughs> okay, okay. What can I learn from, from history? That's kind of what I started studying. And, and did it help? Oh yeah, it helped a lot. And then, by the way, any you should, if you're into film or television, you should read these books because the second book, episode five about Jedi, was all about building the company of Lucasfilm. Right. So they're fascinating books. But yes, they did help. Yes, I learned a lot, and um, it was it, it was special because anybody you talk to about what movie you're making and it's happening now in Top Gun, but Star Wars is the generation, you know, two, two year old kids are right. loving it. Three, four lightsabers yep. running around all the way up to hundred and whatever, That's you right. know, have a special moment when they saw it and, you know, with their children or what have you. So track. isn't that something? That's yeah. Pretty amazing. So it was, it was, it was beautiful and tremendously really had entertaining to films. Yeah. From the beginning to end, project. amazing arcs, like really left you satisfied. You figure there's a lot of creative work that goes into telling 
basically getting your vision yeah. to someone else that's going to understand what you mean to create all of these visual effects. Because obviously he doesn't do every little, like you as executive producer and him, director, executive producer, you guys aren't doing every detail work. Someone else got to do that. Yeah. So someone's got to understand what you guys mean. Yes. And so that's yeah. pretty amazing. I don't want to keep bragging about you, but you know, your career and how you got there is pretty inspiring and remarkable. And all of it has to do with who you are, how you're built and your work ethic. So congratulations on all that. Yeah. Thank you. Because, uh, you know, I thought when you did star Wars in my, you know, knowing you, I thought that's it. So Tommy does Star Wars. We go to the premiere. All of our kids go. We're all high-fiving. We all get special stuff. And I'm thinking, that's like the top. There's nothing going to be better. I remember that. I, I didn't actually, get an invite. Where do you go from there? Where do you, what do you do from here? He shows up. Uh, what do you do? What, I got, I'm going to go shoot chopper scenes. For what? I'm working on Maverick, oh. Top Gun, <laughs> yeah. with Tom Cruise. I'm like, what? Yeah. Which is, first of all, you know, we all love that movie. Iconic film. Amazing. I probably yeah. watched it 50 times, right? Um, probably more, I would say, than 50. Easily. 86, was that made? It was a long time ago. I mean, yeah. I watched it a lot because, right, it's- You started it's, playing beach volleyball after that, I remember. No, I didn't. What's <laughs> really, I mean, what's I mean, really I was, weird is he's dressed as Maverick right now. <laughs> yeah, he, he is. Look, and my name is Iceman. <laughs> take it, oh, yeah, you're all right. confused. Yeah, I'm all confused. <laughs> take it easy, Goose. Iceman, take it easy, Goose. Um, so can you talk about how, what it's like to work with someone like Tom Cruise? No. Does, uh, does, he, have, does he have like that- it's infectious best. energy. Yes, it's the best. It's 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 awesome. I mean, he's he's the best there is, and he makes you the best and at your job. And so it's it's a great experience. It's a lot of fun. He's very collaborative. He wants to know you know how it's working and what you need, and he's there for you. And yeah, it's a, it's a great process. I mean, that's pretty cool. I, well, he's been in so much stuff. So many it, from from the outsiders to the Last Samurai to Top. You know what I mean? It's such a it's such a variety. endless love. Come on, to, you got to go. He wasn't in endless, was endless love. He had like a little teeny part, like that little, big. Yeah. And I've got Jerry Bruckheimer, who oh, <laughs> I mean, I, talk about learning every day. It's like the bat. It's see, I it's don't, but, awesome. So, does Jerry say stuff where you're like? I just, we have a great relationship and it's just, so it's you, all you collaborative. Just, you guys yeah, are all in yeah, a room yeah, throwing it yeah, out, figuring yeah, out what to do. Yeah. Tommy, you need an assistant. I'm good at getting <laughs> yeah. coffees. Hey. Listen, I will not mess up with Starbucks. I don't have one. What are you nope. saying? No, nope. no assistant. Listen to this podcast. The one you missed the part that yeah. you missed and you learn a lot, but yeah. you're going to learn a lot. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm rolling alone right now. <laughs> are you really? Yeah. Well, you have an entire crew, but, uh, I so do. I, you, that's the thing is like, you know, you do these big movies and, How'd you do? It's like I'm lucky because I I've been fortunate to hire the best below me, and even I want to hire people that are better than me because yeah. it makes my job easier. It's gonna be hard to do though. Uh, not really. Yeah. <laughs> but I've been lucky doing that, and right. you know, it's like Top Gun. I've had the best crew ever, and it's. I just want to say, congratulations um, on an amazing run i mean you're mid-career really you've got a lot yeah, a lot of work do. to do so it's kind of nice to have you in at this point will you come back sometime oh, yeah, and man. talk to us i'm more? not stopping I'm, I, yeah okay you, you know this always happens you invite these like i was expecting you to be like this older kind of distinct <laughs> gray-haired very like you're like a young dude they carded him before yeah, it's in. like yeah. walter bat walter bat came in i was like who is this guy like you're in the you, you're in the beginning or the, like the middle he's mid-career, that. yeah dude. easily you can win the thalberg 
It could happen. It'd be like Erwin Winkler. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm ready. But honestly, thank you for being on. Let's get into it. We got into it about your career. I think uh, I think a lot of people can learn from you and what you did because it's very different than what we've had on the show. You know, we're all indies. We all go about it like, unfortunately, hair on fire. Yeah. You know, and we're doing what we can do. But you really, your career took a path that. Um, that is different than a lot of the stories we've heard. So you, if you're out there listening, you know, there's, there's different ways to get where you're going. The wait is over. New episodes of the walking dead season 10 are premiering early February 21st on AMC plus. Don't miss the extended 10th season featuring six new episodes, each focused on fan favorite characters. Prepare for all new high stakes showdowns and emotional reckonings by catching up on the latest season before new episodes drop. With season binges, exclusive content, and early access to new episodes, the best Walking Dead experience is only on AMC+. Get lost in the Walking Dead universe today. Available ad-free and on demand. Sign up at amcplus.com. AMC+, only the good stuff. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Greetings from Ireland. This is a quick taste of what to expect from the Tommy and Hector with Larita Blewett podcast. There's about there's rubbish and old hurlies and everything in the utility toilet. And I'd be sandwiched in there and I'd just go... And someone then I can hear someone in the kitchen going, I'm in here, by the way! But I remember visiting your house as a teenager and none of your toilets... Had locks in the door, and I'd often be wandering out from the kitchen and hear your mother shouting out, <laughs> "I'm in here, by the way." <laughs> Just let anybody who's passing know I'm I'm in here, by the way. <laughs> Listen to this show on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, 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 Acast recommends. recommends.